0: Our reading comes from the book of Romans. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Matthew 18, 1 through 7. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He, calls a, he called the child whom he put among them and said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one, such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: in one bring sons to glory how deep the Father's love
2: How deep the Father's love for us. Thank you, Bradley and Lauren, for reminding us of that core truth of, of our faith. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, the inspiration of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, our Redeemer. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us. This summer, as uh, as you may know if you've been following along, and welcome again to worship today. Uh, you've, you've known that or you've seen that we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew each week, tackling a little bit of this Gospel. Um, in the last month or so, really um, focusing in on the middle portion of Matthew's Gospel, a rich portion loaded with familiar stories and core teachings of Jesus. We are today in Matthew chapter 18, as Elizabeth has already read. Um, and what's beautiful about this passage, as you've already heard, is 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 this depth of love that we get to see. We we're almost allowed to peer into a little bit of, of Jesus' heart to see his his love for the little ones, the children in His midst. In fact, um, saying boldly to a, a community, it was a group of disciples, but even the entire culture, uh, a culture that did not even afford children any rights whatsoever, the Roman culture, to be able to say to that culture and to those people, unless you become like a child… You will not enter into the kingdom of heaven, revealing again the depth of His love for these little ones, but also in general for the vulnerable, the weak all around us. Do you remember when you were seven years old? I do. I have to stretch back a little bit, depending maybe on how old you are, but I do, and my memory is very clear of sitting in Mrs. Davies' second grade class at Evan Seven Oaks Elementary School in Columbia, South Carolina. She was young. She was full of energy. She had an uncanny ability to tell stories. I remember um, it was always a special treat when she would gather us at the end of the room and we would be on the floor in a circle and, and she would read to us, uh, gather us and wrap the tension as she read Charlotte's Web from beginning to end. Or maybe she would tell stories um, once of her aunt and uncle who were voyagers, her great aunt and uncle who were voyagers on the Titanic. I've actually told that story in a sermon before. She played kickball on the playground and she would give us popsicles when we'd ride by her house on our bikes, which we would do quite often. I remember one day being asked what we wanted to be when we grew up. Of course, the typical answers, uh, firemen, police officers, farmers, doctors, teachers. I I honestly don't remember what I may have responded to in second grade, although I do remember as a four-year-old, I desperately wanted to be an Indian. That was my career objective. What about you? What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, the odd thing about today's gospel is Jesus' response to that very question. Did you notice? Because he suggests that we should become like a child when we grow up. How absurd. How bizarre. I mean, quite the paradox, don't you think? But didn't you hear? He said very, very clearly, unless you become like one of these, the, uh, like children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, Rob. What do you want to be when you grow up? Laura, what do you want to be when you grow up? A child. A child. Lauren, what do you want to be when you grow up? A child. Bless you. Now, Rob. Rob, what do you want to be when you grow up? A baby. A baby. Well, let's let's just go back to a child. That's the right answer for today. Although I must admit, it's a little bit frightening, don't you think? (laughs) I mean, do we really want to turn over all of this to the kids I mean, laws would immediately change, as we know. Rules would be shifted to allow birthday cakes, I guess, at every single meal. Maybe there would never be any more nap times. Is that right? Maybe there would be—I uh, don't know—ponies and dogs for every household in 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 the world. Now, although we might enjoy some of the rules that kids would make, and I can really think I would appreciate some of the priorities that they would that they would put forward. Surely, Jesus isn't suggesting that we turn the whole world over to them, is He? Well, of course not. You know as well as I that that He's talking about the characteristics of children, their humility, their curiosity, their playfulness, their eagerness to learn. On the playground, they are colorblind. On July 4th evening, they looked to the sky with wide-eyed wonder. That's what Jesus uh, wants us, we adults, to recapture in our own lives, we who have allowed so many other things to take the place of being humble, we who have allowed so many other things to take the place of asking questions because, well, we want to have all of the answers, we who have allowed everything else to take the place of having time to run and play and dance with people regardless of the color of their skin skin or the, or the clothes they wear, or the shapes of their bodies. On second thought, maybe we should turn it all over to the kids. I mean, kids like uh, Louis Braille. Who, in 1824, uh, when he was just 15 years of age, this 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 young this young man who had been blind since he was three conceived of a way to read and write by developing a code of 63 characters embossed on paper and read by using one's fingers. What he developed at age 15, of course, this system of Braille is still used today, 180 years later. Amazing, isn't it? Or what of, uh, of uh, Annalise Marie Frank, a German-born Jewish girl who was forced into hiding when her fam- with her family in 1942? You know her story. She was only 13 years of age, but thankfully, this young girl, uh, thankfully for us at least, began to write down everything that she possibly could, keeping a, a diary that chronicled their harrowing lives, which sadly, brutally ended in Bergen-Belgen concentration camp where she and her sister were killed just moments before the end of the war, though just a 13-year-old girl, Anne Frank has become one of the most renowned and discussed of all Holocaust victims, or Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, You know a little bit about him, don't you think? He began playing the piano at the age of three, composing music at the age of five. At the age of six, he began to tour and was playing concerts before the kings and queens of Europe. By the time he was eight, Mozart had composed his first symphony. By the time he was 12, he had written his first opera, just one of his more than 600 pieces of music. This kid, literally a kid, changed the shape of music in Europe and arguably, around the world. To this very day, I would imagine that entertainers, musicians, composers, anywhere and everywhere, all over the world, would give whatever it would cost to sit at the feet of this young child. The same may be true of 15-year-old Claudette Colvin. You may not have heard of her, but I bet you've heard of the woman who followed her, Rosa Parks, on a Montgomery bus in 1955. Claudette Colvin, though, is the one who first refused to change seats after a white woman insisted that she do so. Police entered the bus and led Claudette to an adult jail where she would spend the night until her mom picked her up the next morning because she wasn't even told about the incident until the next morning. Claudette was only 15 years of age, but she bore in that young body And in that mind, she bore at least as much courage and determination as any soldier or hero in history. Even the Bible is full of these characters. Some of the most familiar of them all, David, who we would know as King David, for example, just 15 when he was anointed by Samuel to be king, and no more than 16 when he slayed Goliath. Or what of Esther, who was, most think, only around 14 years old when she was chosen to be queen of Persia. Or Miriam, amazingly, six years of age when she had the courage enough to save her brother Moses from drowning. Josiah was a boy of eight when he became the king of Judah. And what of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was no more than 13 years of age, we think, when she was told by an angel that she would bear in her womb the salvation for all of the world. Maybe, maybe Jesus was on to something when he said to his disciples and to us, you must become like these Timothy picked up on that same sentiment years later when he wrote this. Do not let let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. And then Jeremiah, the prophet, writing hundreds, centuries prior to that, still quoting the Lord as saying, do not say, I am too young, you go and have no fear, for I am with you here's the deal. God has and God will continue to work miracles through our kids, which which should be a rallying cry if you're young, right? Uh, And it should be a challenge if you're old like me. (laughs) Because the question that we should be asking today is this, what kind of adults do our 7 and our 17-year-olds need today? To answer that, perhaps you need to ask yourself, what kind of adult did I need when I was seven or 17? Now, the challenge, of course, is we live in a world that is so self-centered that the questions we want to ask is, what kind of adult do I want to be? And yet, to raise up a new generation of leaders who are, are filled with curiosity and humility, we need to take the responsibility now, wherever we are, for those children in our midst and those far beyond us to say, what kind of adult do I need to be for them? today, right now? The answer to Jesus is simple. They need adults who will encourage and model the spirit of curiosity, of humility, playfulness, eagerness, approaching all of life with a wide-eyed sense of wonder and undeterred possibility. Like like the six-year-old girl who stood outside a small church after she had been turned away because it was Too crowded. It was 1883 in downtown Philadelphia, and Hattie Mae Wright just wanted to go inside, but she was dressed in rags, so very poor, and they would not let her in. I can't go to Sunday school, she cried when the pastor walked by, and he could see. He could see her unkept appearance, and he guessed the reason why she was not let in, so he took her by the hand and, and found her a Sunday school class. Hattie Mae was so happy that they found room for her, but she went to bed that night well worrying about the other children who could not get inside. No surprise, she showed up every Sunday morning ready for Sunday school until sadly, almost two years later, when she was only seven years of age, diphtheria took her life. Her parents asked that the pastor, if he would handle or make the final arrangements. As the body was being moved from that old rundown tenement building where she lived, a small red purse was found lying next to Hattie Mae. Inside it was found 57 cents and a note. It was scribbled in childish handwriting, Hattie Mae's handwriting, and it read this. This is to help build the little church bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. She had saved every penny she could find as her offering of love. Well, when the pastor read that note, he knew what he would have to do. So, he challenged the deacons at that little church to get busy and to raise enough money for the larger building. Interestingly, the the city's newspaper got a hold of of the story and published it, and it was read by a wealthy realtor who offered them a parcel of land that was worth thousands When told that the church could not pay anywhere close to that, he offered to sell it for that small church for 57 cents. Church members made large donations. Checks came from inside the city, outside the city, all around the country. Within five years, the little girl's gift had increased to $250,000, a lot of money in the late 1880s, early 1890s. Uh, uh, Her unselfish love, though, was paying huge dividends in far more ways than one, and Temple Baptist Church was built. The story almost seems unreal. But next time you're in the city of Philadelphia, look up Temple Baptist Church, and you will see it with a seating capacity of 3,300. But also be sure to visit next door, Temple University, where thousands of students are educated again, thanks to a little girl named Hattie Mae. But look, too, at the Good Samaritan Hospital and at a Sunday school building that, was, that is right next door that houses hundreds of beautiful children built with a clear mission in mind so that no child in that area will ever need to be left out. A picture of Hattie Mae and her, and her note, her original note, uh, hang in the lobby to this very day. My, what 57 cents and a dream and a little child what they can do. Maybe as it turns out, <laughs> maybe there is something that we can learn from children. After all, as Jesus reminds us, unless you change, and friends, I know Jesus is talking to me, maybe talking to you too, unless you change and become like one of these little children. You will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, what do you want to be when you grow up? Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for your word that really is a remarkable word of great depth and of love. Lord, we thank you, especially today for the gift of children in our midst. We thank you for their spirit, their curiosity. We thank you that every time they place two feet on the ground at the beginning of the day, they approach each new day with enthusiasm and wonder and exuberance. Lord, we pray that you will place in our hearts that same level of love and exuberance and wide-eyed fascination with life. Lord, we commend to you children all around us, those in our families, those in our neighborhoods, those in our schools, those in our communities, those who are are filled with excitement about the new day, but also, Lord, those who are in challenging situations. Lord, we commend to you foster parents who are doing their best to give children another chance. We commend to you counselors who are working alongside children who, who may have just had a very difficult early part of their lives. We commend to you teachers and other mentors and Cub Scout leaders and so many others who are wrapping arms of love around these children. But we commend to you most especially, Lord, the children who you have placed around you and say thank you Thank you for giving them to us to love, to know, and to see as a beautiful example of your great love. We commend them to you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.